Israel-Hamas war intensifying clashes raise concerns that conflict will widen. Vivek Shankar Eric Schmidt Youssef Masood Roger Cohen Isabel Kirshner Raja Abdulrahim Raja Abdulrahim Isabel Kirshner Raja Abdulrahim Isabel Kirshner Andres R. Martinez Isabel Kirshner Isabel Kirshner Andres R. Martinez Andres R. Martinez Isabel Kirshner Isabel Kirshner Vivek Shankar Tamir Khalifa Aaron Boxerman Annie Kareel Annie Kareel Amit El Kayyam Aaron Boxerman Michael Crowley Vivian Yee as Israeli forces massed along the border with Gaza on Sunday ahead of an expected ground invasion of the enclave, escalating clashes on Israel's northern border with Lebanon along with strikes in Syria and in the Israeli-occupied West Bank raised fears of a widening regional conflict. The Israeli authorities said they were expanding a state-funded evacuation plan to move residents from an additional 14 Israeli villages near the border with Lebanon to safer areas. The move came as Israel's military said Sunday it was contending with increasing attacks from Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militia that controls southern Lebanon, that have resulted in civilian and military casualties. Amid concerns the conflict could spill over, the Pentagon said late Saturday that it was sending an anti-missile battery and battalions of the Patriot ground-based air defense system to the Middle East following recent escalations by Iran and its proxy forces. Violence also has been surging across the Israeli-occupied West Bank. The Israeli military carried out a rare airstrike there overnight against what it described as an underground terror compound beneath a mosque in the city of Jenin. Two people were killed, according to Palestinian health officials. The Israeli military also continued to pound Gaza with punishing airstrikes as armed groups there fired a salvo of rockets towards cities in central Israel on Sunday morning. While the timing of an Israeli ground invasion of Gaza remained unclear, senior Israeli commanders have increasingly been making public references to such preparations amid questions about when an operation might launch. The commanding officer of Israel's ground forces, Major General Tamir Yedai, has been meeting in recent days with soldiers training for ground maneuvering, according to a statement issued by Israel's military on Sunday. The Israeli military also reiterated its warning for civilians in Gaza to move to the southern part of the enclave as a humanitarian crisis spirals. Eight groups and the United Nations warned that the first shipment of aid that arrived in Gaza on Saturday was just a fraction of what was needed. It was not immediately clear whether more aid would be allowed into the blockaded enclave. Here are some other developments. The convoy of 20 trucks that brought food, water and medicine into Gaza on Saturday was totally insufficient compared to the desperate needs of the people, Doctors Without Borders, an aid group that has provided health services in Gaza for two decades, said in a statement, https colon slash slash www.doctorswithoutborders.org slash latest slash r response israel gaza war. Israel's bombardment of Gaza continued almost unabated, while Palestinian armed groups continued with their indiscriminate rocket firing toward Israel, the United Nations said. The death toll in Gaza has increased to at least 4,385, while injuries number more than 13,500, according to the Hamas-run Ministry of Health in Gaza. On the Israeli side, the fatalities remained at 1,400, but injuries increased to almost 5,000, the UN said. Syria's state-run news agency said the airports in Damascus and Aleppo were shut after an early morning strike by Israel that killed one civilian worker in Damascus. 
The report could not be independently verified and Israel didn't immediately comment. Israel has a policy of not commenting on possible operations in Syria. https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2021 slash 04 slash 26 slash US slash John dash carry dash Iran dash Israel dash Syria html. With his primetime vow to send more weapons to both Ukraine and Israel, President Biden sought to make clear on Thursday that the United States was not prioritizing one war over the other. But hours earlier, a Defense Department official said that tens of thousands of 155mm artillery shells promised to Ukraine would be diverted to Israel. The shells are an example of the American weapons that officials and experts say are needed in both wars, which could stretch the U.S. capacity to keep up with demand. That will be especially true if Israel's expected ground offensive in Gaza, in response to Hamas attacks, lasts for months. You're going to probably see a steady flow of weapons continuing to flow into Israel, Sabrina Singh, the deputy Pentagon spokeswoman, said last week. Some of those shipments could include the same types of artillery and bombs that Ukraine has relied on in its own 20-month ground war to defend its territory from Russia. For the most part, Ukraine and Israel are fighting different kinds of wars and have different capabilities and needs, according to current and former U.S. national security and congressional officials. In recent months, Ukraine's counteroffensive has faced stiff resistance from Russian mines, trenches and other defenses, and the grinding artillery campaign has devolved into a war of attrition. Israel is preparing to launch a very different kind of land war, an urban fight, in the densely populated Gaza Strip, which has been pummeled by Israeli airstrikes since Hamas's attacks on October 7, https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash article slash Israel dash Gaza dash Hamas dash what dash we dash no dot html. Palestinians mourned relatives killed in an Israeli airstrike on their home in the southern Gaza city of Khan Yunis. The death toll in Gaza has risen to at least 4,385, and there have been more than 13,500 injuries, according to the Hamas-run Ministry of Health in Gaza. Awad Darash, shot in the abdomen, bled to death under the stage at the trance music festival that Hamas gunmen transformed into a killing field. A Palestinian-Israeli paramedic, he died in a desperate attempt to save the lives of Jews at the Tribe of Nova Peace and Love gathering that marked the Jewish holiday of Sukkot. Mr. Darash, 23, was at the festival as part of a small team of paramedics working for Yossi Ambulances, an Israeli company recruited to take care of routine medical emergencies. His colleagues fled when the shooting began, but he felt compelled to help people as one human being to another, said Mohammed Darash, a cousin who is himself a prominent mediator between Palestinians and Jews. A young Palestinian-Israeli citizen committed to peace and killed by Islamist Hamas terrorists in the Jewish homeland, Awad Darash may appear to be an apt symbol of the utter defeat of the bridge builders still committed to a peaceful settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Yet, often marginalized, mocked as naive and targeted as traitors, some of these stubborn advocates of peacemaking now see an opportunity, however remote, in the aftermath of Hamas's slaughter of more than 1,400 Israelis. The calls for a war like no other to root out Hamas once and for all, a consensus in Israel's national unity government and much of Israeli society, will blunt their voices for now. The peacemakers are in the minority as a devastating invasion of Gaza looms. 
but the Hamas attack has shattered Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's conviction that the conflict, insoluble in his view, could be managed by mowing the grass. In the dismissive Israeli expression for periodic weeding out of Palestinian militancy, that state of drift, in which peace had become a forgotten or even risible word, now feels untenable. The Israeli cultivation of Hamas, intended to ensure that Palestinians remained split between the more moderate Palestinian Authority in the West Bank and the rulers of Gaza, so making Palestinian statehood impossible, is a policy in shreds. The notion that the Palestinians would drift passively off into the ether as Israel normalized relations with Arab states like Bahrain or Morocco looks more misplaced than ever. So, even as Israel bombards Gaza in response to a Hamas attack that shook the country to its foundations, the question arises, what can supplant a mad dash to hell, in the words of Salam Fayyad, a former prime minister of the Palestinian Authority? It is clear that war is not the solution and the status quo is no more, said Rula Daud, a Palestinian-Israeli director of Standing Together, an organization that works for peace. My liberation as a Palestinian cannot come through the blood of Jewish babies. But I recognize that the Palestinian feeling that finally somebody struck back is the normal reaction of a people occupied and ruled over. We need different voices. What peace process? The voices in Ixal, a small Arab-majority town near Nazareth in northern Israel where the family of Awad Darash has lived for centuries, were subdued, overcome by grief at his death during three days of mourning. A crowd of friends and relatives gathered outside the home of the Darash family under a white canopy. People, Arabs mainly, but also Jews, talked, prayed and recalled a brave young man who never raised his voice. Bitter coffee was served, accompanied by sweet dates, because life is this combination, said Mr. Darash's cousin Mohammed, who is the director of strategy at the Givet Haviva Center for Shared Society, which promotes Jewish-Arab dialogue. Our government has not done enough to make peace, said Shai Pyron, a former Israeli education minister. I came here because all those who believe that killing is not the answer, and that life is more important than death, must be partners for peace. In the quiet and mingling of this town made up largely of descendants of Palestinians who remained in Israel after the 1948 Arab-Israeli War, known to Israelis as the War of Independence and to Palestinians as the Nakba, or the catastrophe of mass displacement, it was not easy to imagine that another nadir of Israeli-Palestinian relations had been reached this month. But the status quo of Israeli control over millions of Palestinian lives always incubated violence. By the time Hamas struck on October 7, possibilities of peace had long since faded. They began to unravel in 1995 with the assassination of Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin by a right-wing Israeli fanatic, just two years after Mr. Rabin and the Palestinian leader Yasser Arafat shook hands over peace on the White House lawn. After his death, the rapid, government-backed growth of the settler movement in the occupied West Bank, the division and corruption of the Palestinian leadership, and the spread of absolutist religious fanaticism on both sides all contributed to undoing the handshake. The United States and other Western governments still mouthed the words peace process over the past decade, but increasingly knew that neither existed. Mr. Netanyahu, having ruled Israel for a total of more than 16 years, has worked hard to consummate the burial of the idea of Israeli and Palestinian states living side by side in peace and security. In his current government, he has appointed Itamar Ben-Gvir as Minister of National Security. 
A far-right, pro-settler politician, Mr. Ben Gvir stole the hood ornament off Mr. Rabin's Cadillac in 1995 and proclaimed, just as we got his car, we'll get him, too. All means were good to undo the notion of Palestinian statehood. In 2019, Mr. Netanyahu told a meeting of his center-right Likud party, those who want to thwart the possibility of a Palestinian state should support the strengthening of Hamas and the transfer of money to Hamas. This is part of our strategy. The peace camp increasingly hung by a thread. The propaganda against peace activists has been horrible, said Mickey Gitson, the director of the New Israel Fund in Israel, an organization dedicated to the protection of liberal democracy in Israel. We were the traitors, the anti-Zionists, the anti-Israelis. We were supposedly the naive ones who did not know the game. But we have been screaming that strengthening Hamas in order to weaken the Palestinian Authority was wrong. The strategy was intended to cement the notion that there was no viable Palestinian partner for peace. Certainly, a partner was hard to find, with Hamas committed in its charter, if not always in its shifting statements, to the destruction of Israel. Many Palestinians drifted toward a one-state idea that most Israelis read as code for the destruction of Israel as a Jewish state. Without a peace track, and there has been none for way too long, bouts of escalation are easy to predict, said Mr. Fayyad, the former prime minister of the Palestinian Authority, a moderate whose reforms fleetingly made Palestinian statehood look plausible a dozen years ago. Mr. Gitson, like many Israelis, has experienced a feeling of devastation, of being killed from within, since the Hamas-led slaughter of more than 1,400 people. Among the more than 200 Israeli hostages believed to be held in Gaza is Vivian Silver, 74, a Canadian-Israeli peace activist who is a founding member of the Israeli-Palestinian Women Wage Peace Movement, founded in 2014. For activists like Ms. Silver and Mr. Gitson, allowing settlers to establish unprotected homes in the West Bank, drawing in Israeli troops to their defense, reflected a growing settler stranglehold on policy. There are now more than 450,000 Israeli settlers in the territory that has been occupied by Israel since 1967, excluding East Jerusalem, where another 220,000 live. The most extreme elements of the settler movement are in this government, Mr. Gitson said. That makes any progress toward peace impossible. Promise in the pain. For the bridge builders, the worst setbacks have always held, tucked deep in their pain, the promise for change. If peace looks impossible today, it also looked remote in 1973 when a similarly blithe and distracted Israel was taken by surprise in the Yom Kippur War, only to recover and prevail. Within four years, in 1977, Anwar Sadat, the Egyptian president, was in Jerusalem addressing the Knesset. Within six years Israel had made peace with Egypt, giving up Sinai to that end. Those, of course, were different times. There was bold Arab leadership and bold Israeli leadership, accompanied by determined American diplomacy in a world not driven to lurching paroxysms of outrage by the cacophony of social media. Still, the current disaster also appears to be a watershed moment, with near unanimity that something must give. The trauma and pain have to stop, said Gershon Baskin, a longtime peace activist. One day a new generation will stand up and say enough. 
that is always conceivable, but this conflict, rooted in irreconcilable narratives of competitive suffering, has always favored vengeance over compromise, even if the outlines of such compromise have long been clear. I am a realist, and realistically two states are still possible, said Mohammed Darash, the promoter of Jewish-Arab dialogue. It may be nice to dream of one shared homeland, but Israelis will not give up their state. And Palestinians also need their own state, with the two strongly interconnected. But what of the hundreds of thousands of Israeli settlers in the land that would be Palestine? The vast majority of them, perhaps 95%, are on 3% of the land that can be swapped for an equal amount of Palestinian land, he said. Then the relocation of the remaining settlers would become conceivable. But you need the will. That, in turn, he conceded, would require new leadership on both sides. Another requirement for progress would almost certainly be the unification of the Palestinian national movement, with Hamas ousted from governing Gaza. Peace, how? Faced with a chaotic government response to the Hamas attack, volunteer organizations have helped console the many Israelis who feel abandoned. Citizens have stepped in to replace a dysfunctional government. They are trying to keep the peace in the ways they can. We are just trying to hold together and survive, said Ms. Dowd of Standing Together. She has been working hard to prevent a recurrence of the 2021 riots between Israel's Jewish and Palestinian citizens, who account for over 20% of the population. Seething resentments were exposed then, but for now calm has generally prevailed. Among the grieving, several Israeli families have appealed for restraint, too, even as the Israeli bombardment of Gaza continues. Yonatan Zijin, the son of Ms. Silver, the peace activist, declared publicly that more dead babies were not the answer, peace was needed. But fury in Israel still runs high. For many Israelis, to accept the biggest single day of slaughter of Jews since the Holocaust without an overwhelming military riposte against Hamas would be to invite the very fate that a Jewish homeland and the ironclad principle of never again were intended to prevent. We cannot live next to Hamas, said former Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, whose detailed 2008 peace plan was rejected at the last by the Palestinians. Back in Ixal, in northern Israel, Hoda Darash, the mother of the dead Awad, said, he was the most beloved one, there was nobody else like him. As she spoke, rain started falling. Even the sky is crying, she observed. Its tears were soft on the lacerated holy land of bitter coffee, sweet dates, and the eternal chimera of peace. Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, the Israeli military spokesman, added in a televised briefing that Israel had stepped up its attacks in Gaza and that the main targets were senior figures in Hamas and those who took part in the October 7 assault on Israel. That attack killed more than 1,400 people, mostly civilians. He again called on those still in northern Gaza to move south, saying, Hamas is using you as a human shield. The Israeli military dropped hundreds of leaflets over parts of the northern Gaza Strip on Saturday warning civilians to flee south amid continued Israeli airstrikes throughout the enclave and an expected ground invasion. Everyone who chooses to not evacuate from the northern strip to the south may be considered a partner in a terrorist organization, the Israeli military warned in the leaflet, which was in Arabic. 
the chief spokesman for the Israeli military, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, has updated the number of hostages currently being held in Gaza to 212, up from 210 on Saturday. Hamas released a mother and daughter with American citizenship on Friday. The remaining hostages are mostly Israelis, including some who hold second passports from other countries, along with some foreign citizens. More than 60% of those killed in the Gaza Strip are women and children, the United Nations said Saturday, citing figures from the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry. And 42% of all housing units in Gaza have either been destroyed or damaged, the UN reported, citing figures from the Gazan Ministry of Housing. Last week, the head of the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees said that an unprecedented catastrophe was unfolding in Gaza. The U.S. military said it would send more missile defense systems to the Middle East in response to escalations from Iran and its allies, who have threatened a broader war in the region. The deployment comes as Israel continues to signal intentions to invade Gaza after Hamas's deadly incursion earlier this month. The United States is sending a THAAD battery and additional Patriot battalions, two of its most powerful weapons against missiles, to the region, Secretary of Defense Lloyd J. Austin III said in a statement on Saturday. He did not specify where or how many battalions would be deployed, nor did he say how many troops would be told to prepare to deploy. The USS Dwight D. Eisenhower aircraft carrier will now be redirected to the Central Command's area of responsibility, the statement said, a region that encompasses much of the Middle East, including Israel and Lebanon. Since Hamas attacked Israel on October 7, killing at least 1,400 Israelis, the United States has increased its troop presence in the region and sent more military supplies to Israel as Israel prepares for a possible ground invasion of the Gaza Strip. President Biden, during a rare address from the Oval Office, on Thursday, warned Iran and its allies to not join the war and has said he will seek an extra $14 billion in military aid for Israel from Congress. Iran and its allies have sharpened their language against Israel and the United States in the past two weeks, threatening to open new fronts in the war if the United States becomes more involved. Last week, a U.S. Navy warship in the Northern Red Sea shot down three cruise missiles and several drones launched from Yemen that the Pentagon said might have been headed toward Israel. The United States said that the projectiles are a sign of growing attacks by Iranian-backed forces in the region, including Houthi rebels in Yemen, highlighting the risk of a broader war in the region. Along Israel's northern border with Lebanon, Hezbollah, the militia backed by Iran, has exchanged fire with Israel in the past week. And Israel has struck airports in Syria, used by Iran to send arms to its allies, since October 7. The United States has already sent 2,000 Marines and sailors to the region and ordered 2,000 more troops to prepare to deploy since October 7. It's unclear how many more were ordered on Saturday to be ready. The Eisenhower aircraft carrier was sent after Mr. Austin ordered the USS Gerald R. Ford, another carrier already in the Mediterranean, to move closer to Israel. There were no signs that Israel slowed down attacks on Gaza over the weekend or that Hamas had stopped targeting Israeli cities. The Israeli military said it struck dozens of Hamas targets in the past 24 hours. Shortly after 9 a.m. on Sunday sirens went off in several cities in central Israel warning of incoming rocket fire. The Israeli emergency services said there were no immediate reports of casualties. 
Syria's state-run news agency said the airports in Damascus and Aleppo were shut after an early morning strike by Israel that killed one civilian worker in Damascus. The report could not be independently verified and Israel didn't immediately comment. Israel has a policy of not commenting on possible operations in Syria. https colon slash slash www.newyorktimes.com slash 2021 slash 04 slash 26 slash US slash Don dash carry dash Iran dash Israel dash Syria dot HTML. The United States is increasing its military presence in the Middle East, Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III said in a statement amid recent escalations by Iran and its proxy forces. Headed to the region are a THAAD anti-missile battery and battalions of the Patriot ground-based air defense system. Fears rose on Saturday that Israel's war with Hamas could spill over into a broader conflict with Hezbollah, the powerful Lebanese militia, as deadly cross-border clashes continued and Lebanon's national airline began cancelling flights out of the country. Israeli officials also continued evacuating civilians from northern border towns. Sporadic fighting between Israel and Hezbollah has continued for nearly two weeks since Hamas gunmen from the Gaza Strip attacked Israel on October 7. Israel said militants launched missiles and rockets at Israel on Saturday afternoon and Israeli forces responded by striking targets in Lebanon, including some affiliated with Hezbollah. Omer Balva, a 22-year-old American-Israeli reservist, was killed by anti-tank missile fire near the Lebanese border, the Israeli military said, on Saturday, one of the latest Israeli casualties. The official Hezbollah broadcaster Almana announced on Saturday that at least six of the group's members had been killed while fulfilling their jihadist duty. Israel's defense minister, Yoav Gallant, said on Saturday that Hezbollah had decided to participate in the fighting and we are exacting a heavy price for this. Mr. Gallant told soldiers on Israel's northern border that Israel should prepare for every possibility, according to a statement distributed by his office. In Lebanon, Hezbollah's deputy chief, Naim Qassem, said in a televised address on Saturday that the armed group was in the heart of the battle. He said Hezbollah was successfully keeping some Israeli forces tied down guarding the country's northern border rather than leaving them free to deploy against Hamas in the Gaza Strip. If Hezbollah was not part of this confrontation, all of those divisions would be over there, Mr. Qasim said, referring to Gaza. In Beirut, the capital of Lebanon, Middle East Airlines said on Friday that more than half of its airplanes would not be operating next week. Foreign embassies in Lebanon in recent days have urged their citizens to leave the country while commercial flights remain available. In recent days, Israeli authorities have ordered an evacuation of at least 29 communities close to the Lebanese border, including the city of Kiryat Shmona. About half of Kiryat Shmona's 23,000 residents had evacuated as of Saturday afternoon, with about 10,000 remaining, said Yoram Maman, a city councillor. Some were awaiting further instructions from local authorities, he said, while others had chosen to stay. Mr. Maman acknowledged the effort had been somewhat dysfunctional, but said local authorities hoped to begin wrapping up the operation by Sunday. Israel is evacuating several cities at the same time. It's a complicated, difficult undertaking, Mr. Maman said. Representatives of the families of hostages gathered in Tel Aviv on Saturday to advocate for the safe return of the missing. 
they were at the headquarters of the Hostages and Missing Families Forum, an organization that sprang into existence in Tel Aviv to help the hostages' families. The agreement to allow the first 20 trucks with humanitarian aid to cross the Egyptian border into the besieged Gaza Strip did not include any provision to let Gazans with American passports leave through the same border crossing. The American Secretary of State, Antony J. Blinken, said on Saturday that the United States was still holding talks with Egypt and Israel to secure passage out of Gaza into Egypt for an estimated 600 American citizens in the territory. We are working tirelessly, including with partner and allied nations with citizens in Gaza, to secure their ability to safely depart the conflict area, Mr. Blinken said in a statement. Many American citizens have been waiting for several days near the Rafah crossing in southern Gaza in hopes of escaping Gaza ahead of a presumed Israeli ground offensive. A U.S. official said on October 14 that Egypt and Israel had allowed Americans to exit during a designated time window that day. But Americans in Gaza say the crossing remained closed. Speaking to CNN the next day, Jake Sullivan, the national security adviser, said Egypt had agreed to open the crossing and pointed a finger at Hamas for the plan's failure. The question when we tried to move a group yesterday was actually Hamas taking steps to try and stop that from happening, Mr. Sullivan said. It is unclear whether Hamas is still an obstacle. Despite Egypt's public commitments, people familiar with the negotiations say Cairo remains extremely reluctant to allow anyone into its territory from Gaza. That in part reflects Egypt's security concerns about the Sinai Peninsula bordering Gaza, where it has long battled Islamist insurgents. It is also unclear how people on the Gaza side of the border might be screened to prevent non-Americans from trying to cross. The plight of U.S. citizens in Gaza has been the main focus for David Satterfield, the longtime Middle East diplomat who was named U.S. Special Envoy for Middle East Humanitarian Issues last week. Mr. Satterfield has also been negotiating the entry of aid into Gaza from Egypt. In a statement on Saturday, President Biden said the United States was continuing to work around the clock, in partnership with Egypt and Israel, to facilitate the ability of U.S. citizens and their immediate family members to exit Gaza safely and travel via Egypt to their final destinations. The 28 trucks that entered Gaza on Saturday from Egypt through the Rafah border crossing carried much-needed food, water and medicine for the besieged Palestinian enclave, but it was unclear when more aid would be allowed to enter. As living conditions deteriorate in Gaza, the first trucks were dispatched using an expedited process that did not require physical inspections, according to officials with knowledge of the negotiations, who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive talks. Future shipments will need to be checked, the officials said. Verification of the cargo is a key demand from the Israelis, who want to ensure items of use to Palestinian fighters do not flow into Gaza and into the hands of Hamas, the militant group that controls the coastal strip, diplomats say. For the first convoy, however, the truck's inventories were instead submitted to the Egyptians, the United Nations and Israel before they were allowed to depart, the officials said. The aid was then given to the Palestinian Red Crescent for distribution, that expedited process used for the first 20 trucks would not be replicated, the officials said. The living conditions in Gaza have grown ever more dire since Israel tightened its 16-year blockade of the enclave after the brutal assault by Hamas terrorists that left roughly 1,400 dead in Israel. 
Israel cut off food, water and fuel, and supplies are running short, adding to the difficulties of hundreds of thousands of Gazans who have been forced to leave their homes during the war. After a visit to Israel on Wednesday, President Biden announced that he had brokered an agreement between Egyptian and Israeli authorities to allow 20 trucks of aid into Gaza, but days of contentious negotiations kept the aid sitting at the Rafah border crossing. A verification process for cargo in future shipments is still being negotiated, officials from the European Union and the UN said, speaking anonymously to offer insights into the fragile talks. Under one proposal, the UN would verify the cargo without the involvement of any other authorities, officials say, to ensure aid is handled with neutrality in line with standard humanitarian aid principles. Another important question that remained unresolved on Saturday was whether fuel would be permitted into Gaza, the officials added. The UN and aid donors such as the European Union insist that fuel is vital to operate generators that power hospitals and water desalination plants in Gaza. But Israel is concerned that Hamas could use the fuel for military operations. The health ministry in Gaza, which is run by Hamas, warned on Saturday that continuing to leave fuel out of the aid convoys could have dangerous repercussions for the enclave's health care system. Seven hospitals and 25 health care clinics are out of service because they ran out of fuel and bed occupancy in Gaza's remaining hospitals reached more than 150 percent, the ministry said in a statement. Monica Pronksak contributed reporting.